Our next case for argument is 22-1187, Gomez-Rodriguez v. the Army. May it please the Court. I'm here today to discuss with you the lower court, the MSPB, and the agency deciding official that did not analyze 11 comparators under the disparate penalty analysis. This is Douglas Factor VI, the consistency of the penalty opposed on other members within that department of similar offenses. Without this analysis, we argue that the removal of Gomez-Rodriguez exceeds the bounds of reasonableness and no nexus can be found. When the incident occurred where a letter was written to the base general on April 19th by then Officer Cobb alleging wrongdoings in hiring and also hiring an officer that was under investigation for theft at another base. The investigation started on a whistleblower complaint but then brought in Gomez-Rodriguez as he was accused of, one, searching an alert system, which is a law enforcement database, to find out this particular officer's... Well, I appreciate your recitation, but I think we're all familiar with the facts. Yes. Where's the shortcoming here? Those allegations with regard to conduct unbecoming and the other matters were largely based on credibility determinations by the administrative judge. Yes. So what's the basis for reversing those determinations? Well, on reversing the credibility determinations, it is absence of the facts of the record. The administrative judge stated that Gomez-Rodriguez would say just about anything to save his job. However, the record reflects that the reasoning is incorrect because, number one, it states that he did not make any DUI arrest that week when he was in DUI training class. However, that logic fails because police officers do continual training, and what occurred is that if that logic continues, then if he was in training for domestic violence, he would have to make a domestic violence arrest that week. Also, Officer Pareca confirmed that, in fact, Gomez-Rodriguez was in the class and that he, in fact, gave him those instructions to search the name by no uncertain means. So there is no divergent testimony as to between what Officer Pareca says and Officer Gomez-Rodriguez. And then as to the nature of the search, Russ, Deputy Chief Russ, testifies on what is a name check search and also what is what he considers unauthorized search, not pointing to any type of policy, just what he believes it should be the policy. So that type of credibility determination is absence of the facts that are actually in the record, and actually it shows the comparators that are doing name check search, 11 of those, and then as far as the type of punishment that they're actually received within that division. 
And to that the supervisors were not your first-line supervisors, but they were division chiefs. So this effectively set the policy for the division. The deputy director of DES is over all police officers and guards. The deputy garrison commander is over DES. So when they made the determination to remove, it is not a patchwork of supervisory change to compare what happened. What happens is, is he set the policy, this is what should be the punishment for someone who does a name check search. So the credibility determination that he would say anything is not backed by the record. Uh, simply because the record reflects everything that Officer Gomez said is backed by a document. And the diverging testimony is not really diverging. It's just they're testifying because there is no standard operating procedure within the unit for uh, the alert system. So you have officers doing one type of search, officers doing another type of search, and then you have the deputy chief saying, this should be the policy. But what you have is an organization, an agency, that has no clear policy on what individual officers should do a type of search to look up a type of case and what is authorized use. The Army's brief goes through at pages 22 and 23 what the audit was of these 11 others who maybe misused or I think the Army found didn't really misuse the alerts system uh, and has citations to evidence in the record. Can we rely on that as um, responsive to your uh, Douglas argument and due process argument that your client was treated somehow desperately? I'm sorry, Your Honor. I, I did, did not hear the first part of your question. The first part is I was referring you to the red brief where the Army addresses at pages 22 and 23 yes. these 11 other possible comparators yes. and their use of the alert system. Yes. And it points us to places in the record that show what that audit revealed and why at least the Army thinks that uh, nobody was uh, treated dissimilarly to your client. And my question is, can we rely on that? Um, no, because what it is is that um, in looking at the, the type of search, and this is the in, in their allegation into why he is dissimilar, is that they raise an unconstitutional provision of due process. They're, they're saying that, well, he gave the information to another officer, therefore he's dissimilar than the other officers that were punished. However, that is not in the specification in the charge. And so what Officer Gomez was prepared to defend is what is authorized use and official purpose? And when he, we addressed that, there was no policy for official use and official purpose. Those 11 comparators, particularly Officer uh, Roden and uh, Officer uh, Pelequin, uh, they did very similar things to what Gomez Rodriguez did. However, uh, what the drawing line is, is that they kind of veer off into the allegation of he gave it to someone else. But that was not the charge. And so we're looking at the narrow charge of what was the authorized use and official purpose. For that purposes, the 11 fit within the category of name check searches and then the type of punishment that was given to each of those 11. So you're saying the authorized, the charge that was made didn't 
extend to him sharing the information he learned? No, it did not. What about page 24 of the red brief? It shows that you've been arguing that there are insufficient procedures, but this outlines the Provost General AR law enforcement reporting, and that explicitly calls out unauthorized use, which includes request, dissemination, sharing. Yes, and that is true. However, that is a general policy banner. In our reply brief, we replied as far as to the second 15-6 investigation. What the investigator found is that each individual base is supposed to tailor their specific policy as to how the system is to be used, what type of trainings and things of that nature. However, there is no definitive proof that Officer Gomez Rodriguez gave information to Officer Cobb. In fact, cited in our reply brief that is now a final order now, the judge in Officer Cobb's case found no proof that Officer Cobb received information from Gomez Rodriguez. Did the administrative judge here make a specific finding on that? No, they did not. Actually, to address that point, because the narrow issue was official use and official purpose, we were not allowed to address the point. We had witnesses lined up to testify to show that nothing passed between Gomez Rodriguez and to Officer Cobb. It's an allegation that's made but was not allowed to be explored during the hearing so we can disprove it as we did in the Officer Cobb case, in which the judge, an independent fact finder, found that he got the information from a separate individual through a Facebook chat, not through Officer Gomez. You haven't challenged the evidentiary rulings, though. You have not challenged on appeal the evidentiary rulings about what witnesses you were allowed to call, have you? That's not part of your appeal. Some of them, yes, but not directly, to answer your question. Only on certain witnesses, like with Officer Cobb and on this particular issue here. But where is that put at issue in your appeal? It's not specifically stated yet. It's just stated in the fact that we were denied that particular witness to testify. And to emphasize that point, with Officer Dietrich in testifying on the credibility determinations, he was in the class with Officer Gomez Rodriguez. We were denied that witness. That's how the challenge came about to that particular thing. What about the government's assertion that on every single alert screen that Mr. Gomez Rodriguez encountered, it would warn him in capitals, alerts, then say, is for official purposes only. So that, you say that they didn't have a policy on the particular base he was on, but if the program itself says it on the program, when you encounter the program, isn't that enough information for him to know it can only be used for official purposes? Yes, and he did. Part of the factual background is that he was in a DUI class. The instructor of the class said, look up my name to write narrative reports so you know how to write them for me. And later, that type of explanation and training using alerts was determined as official 
official use and, and purposes, and that was Officer Roden's case. So, yes, the banner is there, but also within that banner is permissive language that at the very end of it, it states that violation of this may be uh, 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 – you may be subject to administrative punishment or legal proceedings. And so the permissive use of may shows that there's discretion as to whoever is supervising this has a discretion to say, okay, uh, if you violate certain parts of this, we'll determine what will happen. But at the same time, there is no mandatory language that it is an absolute punishment. Uh, so the policy, that banner does not say you can't do a name check search, which might rely and turn up other information. Well, it, it's, but your, your use of may uh, sort of flies in the face of my, my own sort of parenting, right? Like if I say to my kids, uh, you may get in big trouble if you have that. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're going to know they're going to get in big trouble yes. if they have that, or at least it's on the table. Yes. So what's the, you know, uh, he got, he got, uh, the, the alert said you may be in trouble, and he got in trouble. So but, what, but in, how does that help you? But in this case, using your analogy as a parent, is that if the child did everything that you asked to do right, then, and you instructed them to do, then you cannot come back behind him and say, well, uh, you told me that do this name check, do this search. You didn't tell me my exact instructions on how to do it because I wasn't trained in that manner. But now well, I'm being punished because you decided that I found something that I didn't, wasn't supposed to find, but I did exactly what you instructed me to do. wasn't this all adjudicated below? I mean, this was, wasn't this all adjudicated below? We started a few minutes ago talking about credibility determination. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's my recollection there was a Colonel Ross or someone. I mean, there was testimony that the AJ credited about whether or not this was an authorized use or not. And your client was testimony was in conflict with someone else's and the judge credited the other person, right? Yeah, or it, am, it, I, am I correctly stating at least what happened you're, in the record? You're, you're correct in that and my response to that is that the record does not support the judge's determination in that because there simply was no policy in place until after the removal in May. So you're saying there was no there was no standard against which anyone could adjudicate or judge whether or not this use was authorized or unauthorized? Exactly. That policy did not come into play until the second AR-15-6 in May of May. So you're saying there's no policy and so that anybody can go in and search for any purpose they want and they can't prosecute or or the agency can't take any action as a result of that because of the absence of a policy? Uh, no, I would not go that far. What I, what I am saying is is that the parameters on the factual situation that Officer Gomez Rodriguez was searching, a name check search asked to do by his supervisor, his field training officer, there was no policy guiding and directing him to say, you cannot do a name check search that will allow you to get general information. There was no policy on that. So Officer Gomez Rodriguez's intent was to look up DUI cases to find, to write better for this field training officer. So he wasn't off while running and searching for everything. He had specific instructions, which he happenstancely came by, uh, the, the, the larceny case 
that came up under uh, under that training officer's name. So that's where, yes, the credibility determination said this, but however, the record reflects that there's no policy and even... So you say Officer Pareco, Pareca instructed him to do a, a search for Pareca's own cases, right? Yes. But what about, I mean, the record also reflects that he also searched Burgess's name. Was he instructed, was his argument that he was instructed to search that as well? Yes, because that's also his, he was looking for the same type of narratives. And it is in that testimony that oftentimes officers to best write for them, and Pareka testifies this, is that they will look up old cases and say, if you want to write a narrative for me, and there's several field training officers, and officers might switch on different shifts, is that, okay, this is how you write for Officer Pareka. This is how you write for Officer Burgess. And each officer is particular, field training officer is particular, how they receive their reports. That's why they direct you to look up their old cases so that you write perfectly for them when you finish their shift. And so what the, is what went down here that, I mean, the problem here is he just searched by name. He didn't search any discrete things that the, his teacher was telling him to to search. Yeah, well, and, and you're saying that in the absence of a policy telling somebody precisely when you're supposed to search DUI for gentleman X, you should search DUI for gentleman X as opposed to just doing a global search about that person. It, exactly. And, and in that, and, and, to, and more clarity is, is that there is officers search cases different ways. And when you do a name check search, just the, it comes up and you have to click on it. And then you see what the case is. And so... Along with much other information that you had no business looking at, right? Yeah, well, you don't know until you click on it, yes. So in that sense, that's why the name check searches in 11 comparators uh, did the exact same thing. And, were un and that's where the comparators come in as far as the type of reasonableness of what should happen to Gomez Rodriguez. So yes, they answer your question. Okay, well, let's, um, you're way over time. Let's hear from the government. Good morning, Your Honors. <clears throat> May it please the court. The issue before the court today is whether the MSPB aired when it sustained Mr. Gomez Rodriguez's removal from his position as a police officer with the Army based on two charges. First, conduct unbecoming a law enforcement officer, and two, failure to maintain a condition of employment. Was, let's turn to the comparators. Yeah. Is absolutely. it correct that there were 10, 11, I forget the number of comparators, who had done searches precisely the way Mr. Gomez had done them, but no action was taken against him? Is it, one, is that correct? And two, if that's so, or close to being so, what's the answer to that? Uh, no, Your Honor, that's not accurate. Um, with respect to the comparators uh, that my friend refers to, um, those comparators came from a subsequent uh, AR 15-6 uh, audit, um, which was in May of 2021, and uh, Mr. Gomez Rodriguez was groomed in February 2021. So uh, these the, the subsequent analysis of these comparators was months after the initial or almost a year after the initial investigation and months after Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez was removed. Um, and a, as to 
Well, the report was after. The report, right, was after. The report states that it was initiated in May 2021 and concluded in June 2021. I don't understand. Are you saying that as a matter of law, comparators only can involve conduct that occurred before the conduct at issue and not after? I don't understand the point you're making. Only to the extent that the deciding official could not have used those comparators if they were identified subsequent to the decision for removal. But I want to turn to... Was this the final decision? That happened subsequent to the final decision of removal? Correct. Does that seem right to you, though? I mean, if there were right-on comparators, if 10 people did precisely the same thing and two months after they fired me for doing that, nothing happened to any of those people, can I get that evidence in somewhere, even if before an AJ? Well, Your Honor, I wanted to also turn to that point, which is that there are no direct comparators to Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez that were identified in the subsequent investigation. And, in fact, some of those officers were disciplined. I don't have evidence in the record as to what ultimately resulted from those separate cases. Well, did somebody make a finding that those comparators were not relevant comparators? Yes, Your Honor. The testimony before the board from the deciding official was that Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez's conduct was assessed and was the focus and that his conduct was sufficient for his removal. But did he also analyze that the comparators were not relevant comparators and there was a distinction to be drawn? The record and the testimony before the board does not get into that specific granular detail. Again, these comparators, at least some of those that were referenced, were identified subsequently. So how do you know they were different? Is it part of the record, the differences? Correct. The investigation is ultimately the report is in the record. So it was in the record before the administrative judge? So we, in the brief, we tried to address these comparators and address the petitioner's arguments on this front and show that they were not comparators. So that analysis wasn't before the board. I'm really struggling to follow your argument. Is your argument that these comparators, as a matter of law, cannot be considered either at our level or by the lower tribunal? Or is your argument these comparators were, in fact, considered? Which is your argument? The comparators were not considered. And I can point to the record where the deciding official states that the information presented for his decision did not address these other comparators. And this was the testimony in a hearing before the board. And your answer? If you have a record site for where you're saying the board said we're not considering the comparators, where is that? Mr. Hardin is the deciding official, and his testimony is at Appendix 465. I'm sorry. Are you saying the board did not consider the comparators or the deciding official did not consider the comparators or both? Both that these comparators were not presented. They didn't exist at the time in the packet presented to the deciding official. 
and the, uh, did not factor in, um, in the administrative judge's decision in the main. The administrative judge did consider comparators with respect to the discrimination claim. But stop for a sec. I don't understand. Um, so you're, I'm looking at page 465, which you told me to. It's in microscripts. So there's a bunch of pages. Show me exactly what you want me to look at on page 465. There, excuse me, Your Honor. It's uh, at Appendix 469. There's a, a lengthy discussion of comparators um, that begins. Uh, it, it's the nature of live testimony, so it, it cuts in and out. Um, what page? I mean, 469. But which? There's four pages in 469. Which one? On one page 193, um, and then, uh, as I understand it, um, counsel asked Mr. Harden. Uh, how would that affect your analysis, not having a picture of those looked at Officer Poreca's name in there by doing that? And he said, sir, that would not have changed my analysis uh, as to whether or not Officer Gomez searched and alerts. Um, okay, well, that, that's okay. So, so first off, what we see on page 193 is, if, unless I'm mistaken, it's Mr. Caldwell saying that he did not have any other, he did not have any information about comparators when he made his decision. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So he made a removal decision. He didn't have comparators. That I don't think that that's probably super unusual, um, that the removing official may not know everything that's gone on across the Army. This is the Army, right? Like one person probably doesn't know everything. But then as the case moves through the process and it moves up to the ALJ or the board and, and the defendant becomes, or, or, or uh, petitioner, whatever it's called in this case, becomes aware of all these comparators and introduces that evidence, isn't there an obligation under the Douglas factors to then take that into account, even if they hadn't been presented to the removing official? Yes, Your Honor. And, and, and I don't think that happened here. The the administrative judge uh, does address other comparators, um, and the the briefs aren't totally clear um, on uh, exactly which comparators we're referring to. Um, the uh, testimony and the uh, board addressed uh, comparators in the context of a discrimination claim, um, which is not present before uh, the court. But in that uh, uh, adjudication of the discrimination claim the board did address uh, the idea that there were uh, disparate treatment across these comparators, and the board found that that was uh, not availing. So uh, the board did consider uh, the the penalty amongst comparators uh, and found that the agency had supported the charges uh, by preponderance of evidence um, that Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez did uh, conduct unauthorized searches within alerts um, and that he had been decertified from the IRP program uh, for his misconduct. So the board did consider it eventually, and in your briefing to us, you cite to evidence in the record that you think shows that essentially there really are no comparators, right? Correct, right. The, the, the board's decision does not enumerate every piece of evidence that the board considered, though the testimony before the board and the board's decision itself reference um, this kind of evidence. Um, it does? It references comparators? Yes. Where, uh, where does it do that?
This is at Appendix 23. And there's a discussion of other officers who had been involved in the DCIS investigation. I'm sorry. I'm on page 23. Where is the discussion of, you know, opposing counsel stood up and he said there were 11 comparators alleged in this case. 11. He actually used a number and said these were not, these were overlooked by the deciding tribunal below. You've agreed that if comparators are presented, they must be part of the Douglas Factor analysis. So where did that occur? As I understand counsel's argument is that the comparators that were presented or identified, as he uses the term comparators, those comparators were identified subsequent to the removal decision and the Douglas Factors that were enumerated in that decision did not address those particular comparators. Okay, but wait. So the comparators arose after the removal decision. But remember, we had this dialogue and Judge Prost had a dialogue with you and she asked, wait a minute, if two months after I get fired, it turns out there are 11 other people who were treated differently than me, shouldn't I have an opportunity to introduce that evidence and have it be considered? You said yes. And then in response to my question, you likewise said yes, if it's introduced, the board has to address it. So I don't think, at least for me right now, you're saying that because they arose after the removal doesn't seem to obviate the legal necessity of having those addressed. Two points, Your Honor. First is that the quote unquote comparators were not true comparators and that they did not have the same misconduct that Mr. Gomez Rodriguez was found. And how do we know that? And who adjudicated that? I mean, did somebody, the AJ, I mean, I'm not seeing it on page 23 in terms of the assessment of this. It's not in the administrative judge's decision. It is as it arose in the subsequent AR-15-6 investigation. So if you review the charges in that investigation, some of the personnel conducted searches, one officer conducted searches at Mr. Gomez Rodriguez's instruction, which is the closest basis for comparison. Okay, I'm still not understanding the first part of my question, which is where in the record is this? And where in the record is an analysis? You're telling us that they were all different and this was the closest. That's fine. But did somebody else say that? Like the administrative judge? It is not in the administrative judge's decision, the analysis. But were the arguments made to him? Did he have the evidence? It's not clear to me when this came up. I mean, presumably Mr. Gomez's attorney raised this. Or, I don't know, maybe he's saying that it was upon you to do it as an affirmative thing because of the Douglas factors. But where is it? The AJ had this stuff before. 
I'm not aware of uh, the AJ's review of uh, the uh, 15-6 uh, investigation that was subsequent to the removal decision. Could I ask you just a legal question, which I really don't, not sure what the answer is. It's the deciding official who makes the decision and who's required to c- consider the Douglas factors. So if the deciding official doesn't consider the Douglas factors, under our law, if the AJ asks him, did you consider this? And he says no. But then the AJ herself analyzes that they wouldn't have been relevant. Is that sufficient? I mean, don't we need for the record the deciding official's consideration of these matters if they're to the extent they're necessarily relevant? You may have an argument with respect to timing. You may have an argument with respect to his not putting forth these arguments. Uh, you may have other arguments about that, but am I right or wrong on the law that it doesn't we need to have the deciding official consider this. Uh, and, Your Honor, to that point, the deciding official did consider um, the uh, Douglas factors. There was a, a thorough Douglas factor. No, we're just talking about the correct, the, the correct, the comparatives, right? And he didn't consider the comparatives. And your first answer was that they happened afterwards. But is that... As I understand the timeline, Your Honor, that's correct. Okay, so is it your view that because they were considered afterwards, he doesn't have to? Maybe you're, I mean, I, I'm not deciding the results here. I'm just wondering what, what your position is on that. I, I'm, I don't want to get too far afield of what the deciding official actually considered in the removal decision and the basis for the removal decision. Um, the administrative judge made credibility findings. In well, fact, I mean, look at, I'm sorry, I'm looking at page 469 of the appendix, page 195, and Mr. Caldwell asks, I think the deciding official, did you have any comparatives to look at under the Douglas factor to compare the penalties, yada, da, da, da. And the answer is no, sir. And then the question is, would it change your opinion if you had other officers who had done the same thing under the analysis? Well, and then there's an objection, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a question. Anyway, so it looks like he didn't consider the comparatives, right? His his answer is that... Uh, Mr. Gomez Rodriguez's conduct was of such severity that okay. if he would have been removed for the, for that conduct. And there I see you're saying it. He says, if you're asking me a theoretical question, had other officers similar acts, then yes, I believe that would have required consideration under those factors of penalty of disparate treatment. So he didn't say it wouldn't have mattered, right? Or, or, I'm not... You you know the record better than I. Did he say it wouldn't have mattered, or he uh, he says in response to how would that affect your analysis? Uh, and he says, sir, that would not have. At, this is at the bottom of one ninety three. Sir, that would not have changed my analysis of whether or not Officer Gomez searched and alerts. Um, and if but we, that's saying it wouldn't have changed his analysis of whether he conducted a search. It's not saying it wouldn't have changed his analysis as to what the penalty should be. That's exactly what these go to, right? Comparators go to. Penalty. Yes, sir. 
You've referenced the AR-15-6 later investigation. Is that in our record? And if so, where can I find it? There is the... Um... It begins at page 74 of the appendix, the memorandum. 7-4? 7-4, correct. And in your brief, when you try to distinguish the uh, 11 comparators, it's at page 22-23 of your brief, you cite to pages 529 to 534 of the appendix. I might have the wrong version of the appendix in front of me. That's just like a, an index in my version. What What is it that you're citing at 529 to 534? The... Uh, it may have been a, a holdover site from when the appendix was uh, changed, but right. the, the reference was to um, the uh, 15-6 uh, memorandum. Um, so the same thing that we just talked about? Correct. So the same memo that's now at A74, is that? Yeah, the, the, the memo uh, is begins at, at 74 and continues on. Um, with the first uh, page of the May 12, 2021 uh, appointment at 86, and then it continues from there in the record. Thank you. Can I ask you kind of a sort of legal question, but a process question? You, you represented that all this stuff happened after the deciding official made his decision, all of these comparators. The, the comparators that um, Petitioner referenced in his brief uh, were identified in an additional uh, audit of the alert system. Uh, there were several officers in the uh, same audit uh, that had uh, that had identified Mr. Gomez Rodriguez's misuse of the alert system, and and those officers uh, were disciplined, uh, or at least uh, several of those officers were disciplined uh, for their misuse of the alert system too. Okay, well, you just thrown a new thing into the ring. I mean, what? Okay, so I've got just a couple questions. The obvious ones about the facts. So, how many comparators were there? Did their conduct, the action, it's not what when their conduct occurred, it's when the agency discovered their conduct and what, if any, action they took against them. When did that all go down? Did any of that go down before the deciding official made his decision? Did he have any comparators alive to look at when he made his decision? Was that in play? I I want to stay away from the use of, of comparators because the the uh, misconduct identified in the um, uh, audit did not have a, a one-to-one uh, correspondence with another officer. Um, this was Officer Cobb, um, and uh, he was uh, disciplined, but for different reasons, and okay. the case is totally separate. All right, so. so maybe they're not comparators. I mean, maybe we've just been assuming there were all these comparators there, and you have, your real argument should be that there there weren't any comparators to be had. That's correct, sir. Well, but what, so what, the question is, when did this all go down? Like, to the deciding official, did Mr. Gomez say, you've got to look at competitor, comparators for the Douglas factors, and I don't know who has the burden to come forward with what those comparators are, but did any, did any of that happen before the deciding official made his decision? The initial, uh, or the, the notice of proposed removal 
um, was in October of 2020, and the removal decision um, was in February of 2021. Um, and uh, that's Mr. Gomez, correct? Okay. And the the union um, did submit information uh, on October 28th of 2020, I believe, uh, in response to the proposed removal decision uh, for several officers. So the union, while the proceeding was before the proposed official or the deciding official, information was put into the record by the other side that these are comparators and you should consider them. I, I don't believe the argument is that clear uh, in the union's uh, submission, um, but uh, the union did respond with respect to several officers who were involved in uh, the similar misconduct. Okay, and the deciding that was before the deciding official ruled. How come he says in his testimony he didn't have any comparators? Is that because he concluded they weren't comparable, or is that because he didn't really look at that stuff? There's there's nothing directly in the record that explicitly lays out the uh, deciding official's train of thought, but uh, that that appears to be um, the case, is that there were not direct comparators uh, for Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez's misconduct. Okay, so Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez's misconduct is that he used the alert system, you know, first to to search uh, for Officer Pareca. Is that correct? That's correct. But wasn't he... What, is there any dispute that he was actually instructed by Officer Pareca as part of the DUI training class to actually do a search for Officer Pareca's own reports? Uh, Your Honor, this is a, a factual question that's a, a little bit of a, 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 an argument that's not really taking place uh, or, or two ships passing in the night. The, the agency audit found that uh, Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez searched for Officer Pareca within the database system, that the way the keystrokes that he used, the way he conducted the search, was not to find a report that Officer Pareca had authored and therefore he could model or see how to write the reports, but that Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez searched for Officer Pareca as a subject, then identified uh, a case that was the subject was larceny, even though the training was on DUI, and then clicked on that three different times. Um, so that was the agency's finding. Now, the administrative judge made a credibility determination between whether it was more credible that the agency's view of the facts, as I just laid them out, or Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez's uh, explanation of the facts, which was that his use was authorized because he was told by uh, uh, Officer Pareca to conduct these searches. And it, did the competing witness that the judge credited, Mr. Ross or somebody like yeah. that, did, did he he said, did he not, that uh, this is not authorized use? Did he say that no one should have or would have thought, thought that this is the way you should do the search that is appropriate by just typing in the guy's name? That's right. Uh, that's what uh, Deputy Chief Ross testified to. And your friend here, just to switch gears, says... Well, that's all nice that you say that, but there was nothing in writing. There was no guidance given as to how we should do this. So there's nothing in writing that says what maybe the witness said, which is anybody should have and would have and could have known that an authorized use would not consist of just globally typing in the guy's name. 
Your Honor, it's true that there were no, at the time, standard operating procedures, as that term is defined, um, which were developed subsequently. But there's no question that Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez's searches were not authorized or um, for an official purpose, as those terms are understood. Uh, uh, As Your Honor pointed out, the guidelines um, from the Office of the Provost Marshal explicitly call out unauthorized use, which yes, includes... but all of that goes to unauthorized use. I think the question Judge Prost was asking you, and the same question that I was asking you, is how do we know his use was unauthorized if he was expressly told to search for reports uh, created by Officer Pereca, and if he didn't know how to do that except to put in Officer Pereca's name? So, not a question of... I mean, there's no doubt if everybody believes that he is trying to find dirt on Officer Pereca, that's a problem. But according to Gomez Rodriguez, he was doing exactly the search he was instructed to do in the only way he was instructed to do it. And and that was the question before the administrative judge, and the administrative judge weighed uh, in the testimony before the board uh, the credibility of the witnesses. Um, Deputy Chief Russ said that the way that those searches were conducted were not... Um, consistent with what uh, the, that the audit results, the keystrokes that Mr. Gomez Rodriguez used, were not consistent with his explanation of uh, authorized use. And well, okay, but but that's because Mr. Ross Russ knows how to do the search to pull reports about that Officer Pereca himself wrote, as opposed to reports about Officer Pereca. Did Chief? Deputy Chief Russ also testified that anyone using the alert system would have known how to do that. Uh, the, the or an ordinarily skilled person on the alert system would know. I mean, what we have to get at, or what the ALJ had to get at, is did Gomez Rodriguez conduct the search he was instructed to conduct in a way that was reasonable, or did he clearly go outside that? I'll refer to what the administrative judge found uh, to be uh, relevant on this point. Um, first, that uh, Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez accessed uh, a case and clicked on a title that included the charge of larceny. Um, and so it was unrelated to the DUI case uh, that Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez said that he was searching for. So that is inconsistent with uh, Gomez-Rodriguez's explanation of uh, his supposedly uh, authorized use. Um, Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez did that three times, uh, which indicates that if you make a, maybe it was a mistake to to click on the larceny case once, but Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez accessed that case several times. Um, And uh, the administrative judge also found that uh, Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez had uh, not passed the DUI course that or the training officer Pereca had uh, instructed and was not authorized to do these Can I ask stops. about, we started off with your friend and he talked about the fact that he was also charged or there's some problem with him also disclosing that information, not just improperly accessing it, but improperly disclosing. But I think he said that he wasn't charged with improper disclosure. He was just pro- charged with improper access. So I just want to clarify that. Right. And, Your Honor, the, the specification um, does not reference the, the disclosure. Um, the specification that was included for uh, charge one 
in both the notice of proposed removal and the decision on removal state between on or about 1st of March 2020 and 20 March 2020, you improperly searched for Officer Michael Pareca and Officer Corey Burgess in the Army Law Enforcement Reporting Department. Well, you don't have to read the whole thing. Did it charge him with disclosure of that information or just with improper access? No, it charged him with improper access, and that is what he was removed for. Okay. I have one more, if the Chief will indulge me, with one more question, which is completely different than everything else, and I think it's a legal question. You know, we have some cases which are mixed, not discrimination, but where somebody loses their, you know, their confidentiality rating or their, you know, their secret access clearance, and then they get fired because they can't do their job. And we have different, I think, different reviewability questions arise as to what we can get involved with and what we can't. This seems to present something maybe comparable, and that's my question. He got dismissed or whatever for this, from the, he was decertified from the IRP, which is called an Individual Reliability Program. And then he was removed in part because he was decertified from this program, so he can't do his job. Is there any limit or difference in the extent to which we can review that determination, i.e. his decertification? Are we constrained in any way, shape, or form? We are not aware of any court precedent addressing the IRP certification. The administrative judge did look into the, whether the agency's basis for its decertification was supported by the preponderance of evidence, and they cite board decisions likening this case to one where an employee had certifications to deal with hazardous chemicals. And so the board did look into the preponderance of evidence, so this is not... So no argument was made that we are constrained to look at that. Like, if you can't get certified for firearms, we're not going to put somebody in, you know, out with a firearm when they said he couldn't do it. Correct. Though I want to point to one piece that underlies all of this, which is that Charge 1 is the primary driver for Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez's removal. Hardin, the deciding official's testimony at 465, was asked, what did you determine to be the appropriate penalty for Charge 1? And Mr. Hardin responded, I sustained Charge 1, and I decided that removal was the appropriate penalty. And then following up on that, at Appendix 471, the administrative judge asks Mr. Hardin, if you had not sustained the first charge, how would your decision have been to the second charge, which is the certification? And Mr. Hardin responded, had I not concluded that he accessed alerts, in other words, I concluded that he did not do that, I would have decided the second charge would probably not be applicable because it was based on his accessing the alert system. So the court need not consider the decertification in Charge 2 if there is concern about looking to what factual basis the agency had, because the agency's deciding official testified that Charge 1 was the driver and that Mr. Gomez-Rodriguez would have been removed on the basis of Charge 1 alone, and that's further supported in the decision in terms of proposed removal. All right, Mr. Caldwell, you can have as much rebuttal time as you want. No, that's only if we ask questions. Thank you. May it please the Court. 
to the issue of when what we call the 11 comparators were actually provided, they were actually provided on November 16th, 2020. And that's provided to whom? Provided um, to Deputy Chief Russ and um, to uh, Deputy Garrison, uh, not Deputy Garrison Commander, but uh, the Assistant Director of uh, DES, uh, Lowe. And provided in connection with this proposed removal hanging out there as a response to that, not just randomly provided. Well, actually, and, and I'll get to that point, we actually had to come close to filing a motion to uh, a, a motion to compel. These 11 comparators were provided us the day after the pre-hearing submission date as the agency's third uh, uh, response to our discovery. And the union actually made uh, uh, information request for these uh, comparators because this re- this is mentioned at the bottom of the Frost investigation where his uh, recommendation to the base commander was to do a three-year audit on all persons who access. Okay, I, I, yes. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you yes. off, but you, I, I only need to know yes. the level of detail I need yes. to know. Okay, so the union provides this. This is between the proposal. This is the union's official response to the proposed proposed removal decision. Uh, actually, we didn't. The union did not get the information until uh, the hearing. Uh, it was the, which hearing before uh, the, the agency or before the, the AJ? B- before the AJ, it never was before the deciding official, uh, Mr. Hardy. Okay, because the union had requested it before the deciding official made his decision, but it had not been provided, so they couldn't provide it in response to the proposal. Yes. However, Deputy Chief Russ had it since he actually did it November 16, 2020. Um, and low... So let me see if I can clarify the facts, because I think I understand what happened yes. here. The Army actually decided to undertake at its own initiative an audit to see how many other people potentially like Mr. Gomez Rodriguez are accessing the alert system and under what circumstances. The Army prepared a report on November 16th of 2020 following that review. They provided it to Deputy Chief Russ, among other people, that demonstrated, oh, look here, we have 11 people who also appear to ultimately have accessed the alert system in a manner that may be troubling. Yes. And so the Army was in possession of that information at the time that one of its decision makers was rendering the removal decision in this case. Exactly, yes. But on the timing, though, they wouldn't have, if, to the extent they were going to take any action, and they maybe they did in some circumstances, that wouldn't have happened till later, right? I mean, reasonable comparators aren't they did the same thing. It raises a question of, and what did the agency, what did the agency do to them in response to their doing it? So that would have happened later, right? What we would not have known if they would have taken action then or later. Okay, so what happens in this kind of case? It seems like, okay, the information isn't available to anyone in terms of the decision as to what action to take till later. So would you, did you go to the AJ and say, we've got this information, we think it's relevant, did you move to have it put into evidence? Was it put into evidence? Yes, it was put into evidence. And the way it occurred was uh, they actually did have the information. Uh, we had to file a motion to compel uh, and withdraw that. And then after it was withdrawn, we got it the next morning after pre-hearing submission. 
However, the AJ allowed us to submit it a day late after the pre-hearing submission, giving the nature of it. Okay. And then, so you've got the deciding official on the stand. We saw some of that testimony. Yes. What did you do with that information? What was done with that information during the hearing, even though it's kind of late because the deciding official obviously didn't just consider it when he made the decision because he didn't have it? Well, my line of questioning went to the deciding official, uh, deciding official as to uh, what would he have done as to the nature of the discipline and how would it have changed his analysis to remove Gomez Rodriguez? And did you have information at that time that people who you argue had committed comparable conduct were disciplined in a less severe manner? Yes, I did. So that was all tied up with a bow. And yes. you presented it to the deciding... I, I assume you also argued to the AJ. Yes. And so where in the opinion does the AJ do, deal with this? Uh, and that is our, our contention. The AJ makes no reference to this report, makes no reference to any of the comparators. The, it, the, the ones that, uh, the Army were talking about were comparators for, uh, the EEOC portion of the claim, but not for the administrative portion. So she went down and went, who was of what race, what was their age? Oh, so it was before that he did deal, deal with it. I mean, there's a page in the it's record. A, Maybe it's, it's not page eight twenty-three. What is referenced? If but you it's put in it, in, yeah, if you put it in for discrimination, they dealt with it in that context. Well, no, they dealt with the IRP certification, not the discipline. So that was a different issue. Our issue was is that the IRP decertifications were just made on a discriminatory basis, not the actual removal process as comparators to his removal. But did you but you just told us you put in the information when you, you got the information and yes. you put it in, but you put it in in connection with the discrimination case, right? Y yes, I, I believe I understand your question, yes. So it goes into the discrimination case and the judge rejects it. Yes. So why isn't that sufficient? Well because those are comparators for the IRP decertification not to the reasonableness of the penalty of the removal. Uh, those same compared, those are different parties as far as to an employment action, as far as to a promotional opportunity that Gomez Rodriguez lost. And he was making an allegation that he was decertified to help another candidate that was six that went to first. Did you argue to the ALJ or the board that there are 11 comparators on the charge, not just on the discrimination portion, but with regard to the charges that need to be considered in the context of the penalty? Y yes, we did. So you made, you, you, so you introduced these comparators for two different purposes. Well, Purpose number one is related to the discrimination, and the ALJ expressly addressed them in that context and said, these aren't comparators because these other people don't have the same race or whatever. Yes. Then you also introduced them for purposes of, say, arguing that Mr. Gomez Rodriguez's penalty of removal was too severe in light of how they treated other people. Exactly. And, and let me clarify. And do we yeah, cite, can you see that in the record? Yeah, where do we find um, that? Yeah. Let, let me clarify first, now that I, I completely understand the, the context of the question. To the discrimination purposes, uh, we did not introduce these 11 as part of that for the discrimination purposes. Those, the 11 were solely introduced as far as to the purposes of the comparative uh, discipline as far as to what they did. 
the discrimination portion of it, those uh, were names that had uh, we had from uh, a selection list that were separate from this November 16, 2020 report. So they came from two totally different comparators. Totally different comparators. So, so the, the ALJ considered comparators, different individuals actually, yes. different people, and those comparators for the discrimination claim, the yes. ALJ never considered this report and the people articulated in it for the penalty phase. Exactly, yes. And if we look at the record, and maybe you can somehow give us guidance, although we don't have the complete record here, where you put in that evidence and whether there's any discussion or whatever, and I assume, was there briefing before the, after the hearing and before uh, the ALJ, there was, was there briefing done by the parties? Uh, no, there was no briefing done by the parties. Was there an argument made before the AJ? Before um, the case it, was submitted? I, I, we did do an argument, and what we did find, uh, and where you find it, where it was put in the record, is under Officer Gomez Rodriguez's testimony. Um, okay, but your your position before us is that the evidence was admitted, and you made an argument to the AJ, either through witnesses or yes. through yourself, saying, "Look, there was these there were these eleven people." They did the same thing, and they didn't get penalized nearly as severely as Mr. Gomez Rodriguez. Yes, and that was during Gomez Rodriguez's testimony at the very end. And am I right in understanding that the report that articulates the 11 individuals is page 80 of the appendix? Exactly, yes. And that was introduced into evidence. That's the June of 2021 report, and it's it's pretty short. It's only about what they did and what the penalties were. Exactly, yes. And, and that was the thing that wasn't considered expressly or discussed by anybody in the decision-making Exactly, process. yes. Do you happen to have a cite to the testimony of your client at the end that you, where you said the argument was made? Um, uh, yes, it is. Um, uh, let me see. Can I ask you a question while you're looking or why yes. are you distracting? So my question while you're looking is the government's argument was a bit confusing and difficult to follow, but they may have an argument that because this report was generated after the removal action took place, but before the ALJ made its decision, perhaps it shouldn't be considered. But if we vacated and remanded, that could be flushed out on remand. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Well, do you, but do you think as a matter of law, it has to be considered? I mean, we have to stop a clock running someday. You can't reopen a case two years later because you find out that somebody was discriminated. In this case, they're very much tied because the report was actually done, and to, to clarify, the report was actually done November 16, 2020. The actual, those are the, the, the data. Now, the actual clarification of what is official use and official policy and going through and analyzing the data, that was done on May 16th. And then... May 16th of 2021. Of May 16th. After the, after the removal. That's when... Uh, okay, so, it, so the, the deciding official would not, at the time he made his decision, have had the relevant information or the arguments you made with respect to... It, exactly, but they had the raw okay, data. So what is, what is your view of the law? Is when this happens... I think the chief may be correct or is correct that 
you know, the deciding official doesn't have to look at stuff afterwards. You can't keep reopening the record. So why is it not as a matter of law? He was only compelled, required to look at what was in existence at the time of the decision. And this post dated the decision. End of story. Well, it's not in my brief, but there is case law that goes to, and it's an Air Force case, I believe, where the AJ made a decision and then the comparators were not punished until later. And it came up on appeal in which the court said, even though the later punishment, it happened after the hearing, what happens is, is that still the decision of that supervisory chain of how they punish individuals for that particular infraction. And so an agency cannot escape its responsibility. Wait, you're saying there's a case by us? I believe it's an MSPB case, Air Force case. Okay, a case by the MSPB that says even if the information happens. Yeah, I can find and provide that site. Okay. I just want to make sure I understand your position. You are not arguing that Officer Hardin, the deciding official, had an obligation to consider the comparators, which only became known after his decision, correct? You're not making that argument. I'm making the argument that it is that, and it's kind of double-minded, so just let me explain. The answer is yes, but. Yes, you are making the argument? No, yes, I am. Is that he had an obligation to, and this is the reason why we mentioned in the hearing that the lieutenant colonel actually disapproved of the actual removal because there was a three-year audit coming. That's our argument. Let me ask a clarifying question. I understood your argument to be that the agency possessed all the necessary information to present to the deciding official on November 16th, which is prior to him rendering his removal decision. And so if the agency had within its possession, in fact, Chief Deputy Russ, within its possession, all this information on comparators, yes, they didn't issue their report until after the removal decision, but it's the agency's obligation to provide this evidence. How would the individual have the burden of knowing how the agency treated other people? Individuals don't always have access to that. So it is your argument that the agency had the information, it was known in the agency, and it just wasn't shared with the deciding official, but that means he should have considered it. That is correct. But can I ask you, is there a difference in the information that we're talking about, the November information versus the May information? No. Does that information include not just what they were found to have done, but also what action was taken against them? They just recommended a May report as far as to send down to administrative action. They don't say what action was taken. Wait, I'm talking about the November information. The November? No, it does not state what action was taken. Okay, so how was that? I mean, how did the deciding official have any? That's comparator information by definition means similar conduct and different action was taken against them. If by November no decision had been made about what action should be taken against them, what basis was there for a comparator analysis by the deciding official? To that question is that it would have gave the deciding official a full array, like you said, a different analysis of what different people did 
and as far as what the policy would would be, and as if nobody was punished, because remember... But nobody would have been punished by that, but right? At, at, I thought that's what you were telling me. At, at the time, Officer Gomez-Rodriguez had already been proposed to remove, so what was in front of him was the removal of Officer Gomez-Rodriguez. I, I, no, I know, but what we're talking about is what was in front of him with regard to the so-called reasonable comparators. Yeah. And as of November... There was some audit that said they we find they yes. did X, Y, and Z, but no information as to what. And it was a different deciding official. It wasn't. It wasn't the. But no information or no no action had been taken yes. against them. So when was I mean for reasonable comparators? You just you need both pieces. Yeah. And, and when, so the information that second piece was not available as of November. Was it a you can answer. And was it available as of May? When do we know? When did somebody it, it, know? It was available as of May. But uh, not as of, as of November. Not as of November. And, and to so as far as what, if the deciding official was saying, are there reasonable comparators? Because i got to do this Douglas analysis. Yes. And the answer is there were no reasonable comparators at the time. Because now you're saying, well, if it had been me, I might have decided, well, I should therefore wait. But... I don't know that that's yes. the law. So there were no reasonable comparators at the time the deciding official made his decision. But you're saying before the AJ, I assume the AJ decided. Yes, before, yes, before the AJ ruled. So is it your position as a legal matter that when information becomes, when something is done after the deciding official makes his decision, he has to reopen his decision to uh, say, okay, well, you know, six months later, I understand there's a comparator out there and somebody disciplined him or whatever. I have to reopen the whole the, the decision to, to deal with that? Well, I, I wouldn't say the deciding official because it's at a, a different form. It comes into, if it, and it becomes a matter of due process. And, and to answer that, the, the question is, is that our, our answer to that is yes. And the reason being is, is that the due process is that if you find other information that will help you decide a reasonable penalty and you find out now they actually have been punished. So what was my obligation as far as inconsistency of the penalty as how is it given amongst the division? Then yes, as far as for good order of the actual uh, division to keep it, uh, uh, you know, uh, within the realms well, of what are, what are the legal parameters that you would set for your rule of law? If something occurs, if information becomes available before the AJ rules and it's submitted into the record, then somebody's got to deal with it and do something about it. Is that the time frame you would propose? Well, and I'll, I'll go to, to Loudermill and part of the, the opinion in Loudermill is that the purpose of of having these, the hearing is for the deciding official to gather all the information. We certainly wouldn't want to rush them. We had no complaints that it came out in May, but all we wanted is to have a fair uh, uh, determination of what the penalty would be if that would be the parameters to say, yes, we would like to have that uh, within uh, this period of time, particularly before the hearing, and particularly if we had to file a motion to compel to get the information, it looks like they already had the information. Thank you. If the, if the chief will permit, I have just a few questions. I think you can answer them quickly, maybe even yes, no. Yeah. On motion to compel, on all those, we got it at the last minute. 
again, we don't have any issue on appeal in front of us on that, correct? All right. On the question of whether the deciding official needed to have the comparators in front of him, I think you're telling me that you are raising that issue on appeal, that the comparators had to be in front of the deciding official. Is that an issue you think you've put in front of us? In a way, yes. And is it anywhere in your brief? As far as to the brief, we raised it as far as in the context of how it was presented, but not in a direct issue, no. So it's not in your brief, right? No. To answer your question, no, not that way. So what's in your brief, I think, is that the board failed to, at least you would say, consider the comparators in connection with the Douglas analysis. Is that right? Yes. And am I right that to the extent that's in your brief, it's two sentences at pages 14 and 15 with no citations to the record, no citations to authority of this court. Is that right? Yes. And to answer your question on the testimony of where Gomez Rodriguez, I believe his testimony starts at appendix 480, and I can double check that for the- What was that number? I missed it. Appendix 480. Thank you. In the testimony. And I'll double check that. Is that, that's the correct- Thank you. Okay. I thank both counsel. This case is taken under submission.